0: You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Bowtech Archery prides themselves on offering a bow for everyone. Whether you have a short draw length, a long draw length, pull 70 pounds or 40 pounds, you're a bow hunter or a target archer, they offer a bow that can be customized to fit your body type. On top of that, their deadlock technology allows you to fine-tune your aeroflight. Visit bowtecharchery.com and check out the sr 350 and the CP-28. Bowtech Archery, refuse to follow. For more information, visit multrimobile.com.
1: Welcome to the Huntavore Podcast, powered by Sportsman's Empire where we celebrate the hunting and fishing lifestyle through the utilization and consumption of our wild game. No egos. Fork in hand, beer in the other. No status. A piece of red meat on a hot grill and turn it into a burnt offering. Just catch it, cut it, cook it. This is episode 104, What Do I Do With Roasts? Besides roast. On this episode of Huntaboard, Nick is joined by Greg Tubbs, co-host of The Okays Hunter and an avid venison consumer. Together, they tackle the question Nick has been asked a lot lately, what do I do with roasts besides roasting? If this is you, prepare to put those large cuts to work as we explore cooking methods that take you from low and slow to hot and fast. These guys try to lay out some ideas to best serve the cut and save it from a slow death of freezer burn. Get ready to thaw out that top round on this episode of Huntivore. time for the
2: fire. Like they should be gutted, gilled, and put over a campfire. I like uh, it. Yeah. Brook trout too. Like rookies are delicious.
1: Um what uh what time does this all start kind of transitioning? It's it's fall when they start running upstream. So you yeah, got a, you we got, got a about time. a
2: month. About so right around opener of deer season for us, so m- mid September, they start turning more of a brown and they start hitting the harbors and then going up the river mouths. and guys will catch them all the way into October gotcha. in the
1: rivers themselves and the tribs. How about uh, steelhead on that side? That's another big one. Here yeah. On this so side. steelhead,
2: that's a, that's a winter spring bite. And then you get the guys that are out there with their fly rods and trying to catch them. But I think the best way to catch them, honestly, is spawn sacks under floats big long spinning rods and just let them let them eat it and and just catch them out of the skinny water in that kind of setup
1: there you go that mm-hmm. po- yeah there's no place to go but to your bait at that point
2: <laughs> right right you're going upstream downstream they go to go to your bait they eat the eat the spawn sack which is just cured eggs and uh you have fun
1: i love it oh speaking of having fun i i got to go grab my beer hold on go ahead man all right, there we go. I am now I'm now equipped. I have the proper equipment here. Okay. We're good, good to go. Deal. How about you? What's, you what's, got something? What's
2: the, uh, I had a couple with the neighbor already.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. You, you're already juiced up then, Greg. Yeah, I'm already primed,
2: and I had uh corn, a little bit of chicken, and some mashed cauliflower, so the, the beer buzz is gone, but I, I've, I've had my, my couple of beers for now.
1: Gotcha. Well, hey, let's just get uh, the folks brought up into this. We've already started. Hey, folks, beautiful evening here in Michigan. I tell you, this is the it's like the crescendo of summer. I know on my plate I am like two weeks out from having to go back to a nine to five. So we're living our best life. I'm sitting on our deck. It is, I would say, mid 70s right now. There is a fire in the fireplace over here on the patio. The kids are playing outside. I've got a beer, and we're going to be talking venison today. I can't think of a better way to even set this up. And I thought, what better to join me than a guy that's—he's uh, pretty okay. Comes from <laughs> the other side of the big lake. We're looking at Wisconsin here. We're talking with Greg Tubbs of Okayest Hunter, Greg. Thank you for the last minute jump in on the show. Um, well, like you were just saying, I, you've got a lot on your plate already. We were already getting into, you've got plans for the weekend to get on some big water.
2: That's right. Uh, thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm honored as always, but it's, uh, it's that time to get the fish while they're still silver and get as many of them as we can. So if I can get out there in one trip and load the box and come home with some fish to smoke and have a few for the grill, it'll be a good
1: time. Awesome. Awesome. Um, what kind of brine are you throwing on those ones that you're smoking? I'm just kind of catching so, you off the cuff right now. I'm, are you going simple, yeah. or do you have something that you just you hold cl- I, close to you?
2: I do something real simple. In fact, uh, a fellow Michigander, I learned from his, his uh, YouTube channel, um, a, a real easy, it's Brown sugar, salt, that's it. And you, you mix the mixture and I'll be darned if I remember exactly what it is. I always got to go back and, and relook. I never write it down, but, um, the consummate sportsman, for those of you who don't know who he is, go check him out on YouTube. He's got some pretty cool stuff. He hasn't done anything in a while, but dude knows how to put together some pretty good, uh, good fish dishes. Um, but Plain and simple, I think it's a, a three to one mixture or four to one mixture of sh- brown sugar and kosher salt. You get your fillets, you put them in the bottom of a container, you coat them with that mixture of brown sugar and salt. And then you put another layer of fillets in there and do the same thing. So I usually layer it up two, or three layers of fillets. If you get a couple of 20 pound Kings in there. That's a lot of meat. So you need a couple containers.
1: I was gonna say that's a yeah, hell of a tub right there. It is.
2: It is. Uh, I think I went to the dollar store and bought some cheap um, Tupperware ones. You know, they weren't real expensive, and those are designated as the fish brining uh, containers.
1: Sharpie so, goes all on the side. Little drawings of fish. Like, yeah, yep, don't don't yep. mess with this. This is not uh, nothing but fish. <laughs> exactly. This does this cleaning product soap doesn't go into this. This is all just. Uh, what it's intended for being brine and fish. And I love yep. that it's a simple, that let the fish be the fish. Like, give you know, use the salt and even cut that salt with a little bit of the sugar. Um, but at the same time, it's not getting too fancy where you're, you know, overdoing it at that point. It's simply no. just a little bit of sodium and smoke and beautiful flesh.
2: Yeah, and it only takes, like, I put it in for overnight. So it's like a 12-hour brine. And basically when you pull it out, it's going to look like a bunch of syrup on there with some crystals in it. You take and rinse all that off and you put the fillets out on a rack to dry and let them dry until they start to just a little tacky. You want them about as dry as you can, with just a little tack. And then you get the smoker going or in my case, the, the old Weber and I get coals rolling and I have some wood, uh, some apple wood blocks, usually soaking in water. Uh, for about an hour or so and pull them out and just so they're damp and when it's time to put the fish on i drop the blocks on and let it go let it go if you can kind of keep it around 200 if you can get a little lower at 170 180 three hours on on that and it's usually it's more cooked than it is uh smoked and raw yeah If you if you keep your temperature warmer but i find a lot of people like that better than they would like You know, restaurant grade smoked salmon.
1: Absolutely, and keeping it that low temp. um, Oh, who did an article? Oh, it was uh, Hank Shaw did a whole article on when you're doing your your smoked fish, it starts to leach out this protein. It's like a white. um, It's a white fatty substance. That's kind of like that's the sign that that you've got too much heat. You got to somehow yep. cut it back because that's what's going to, as that leaches out, that's going to give you a little bit of an off taste and it's going to dry it right out. So keeping your temp, like you said, that 170, 190 into the 200, you still got to like get it warm, <laughs> but at the same right. time, you know, letting the smoke do the work on that. Right. And, you know, wet,
2: wet wood is key to getting a good smoke.
1: Yes, as I'm looking at my fire over here for uh, s'mores, we definitely have a couple pieces of wet wood in there. We got to let that heat up a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> so Greg, I brought you on because I've got a uh, a good buddy. He's also a listener and he had a question. And his question was, Nick, it's getting towards the end of season or it's getting towards season opener. I still have last year's venison put away. We've gone through all the steaks. We've gone through all mm-hmm. the backstrap. He's left with what he called roasts, and it's a general term because I he's he's come along, and I've, I've really helped him work on his butchery to help get him into some whole muscle pieces so that you can identify this roast it gives you a direction on on where you want to go but he's still just giving me that general uh general uh description of roasts so in my mind i'm thinking at some point he's got he's got a neck in there i bet you he's got a couple pieces of shoulder and he's got uh some of the big muscle groups from the hind legs these cuts we, we prize these in the fact that they are larger cuts, but we also get to a moment where it's also difficult because we've pigeonholed ourselves, or at least now we think we've pigeonholed ourselves into just having to roast this as like a, a holiday roast, or we just have to uh, use this as a whole cut. And... I feel like when someone asks a question like, what do I do with the roasts? I think they're asking for, I, how can I make these from big cuts to smaller cuts? Have you ever found yourself in that situation, Greg, where you are stuck with a big piece, wondering what to do with it?
2: We've all kind of been there, haven't we, as, as deer hunters? Like, you nailed it right on the head. This is the end of the season, There's that big hunk of meat. It's laying in the freezer at the back of the freezer. We've already eaten all the easy stuff, and now it's time to do something big. doesn't have to be big, but you saw that one big piece of meat out. You might have to go through it and cut it because if if you're doing it like I would do it, I would separate it out into muscle groups. Yeah, there's going to be some sinew and some tendons, and there's going to be some veins and things in there that maybe you don't want to eat necessarily. Um, Like take, for instance, you take a hindquarter. There's a lot of good cuts out of a hindquarter, but some guys will take that one big football piece, and I do it. And I look at it and go, I can get potentially three meals out of that between my wife and I. If I have my in-laws over, that piece, that entire piece will be gone in no time. So there's a lot of things you can do with it. You can keep it whole. There's a few different things I like to do with it as a whole piece. Some of it's cheating, but cheating, I mean using bacon to wrap it up. <laughs> and, and if you got if you got people that are a little squeamish about venison, I don't think there's a better medicine for it than wrapping it in bacon.
1: I tell you, hickory, smoky goodness kind of cures yeah. everything at that point. And you have,
2: the, you have the fat, and it keeps it from drying out, and you go one better. And there's two different ways I like to do it. I'll either do with with uh, blue cheese and caramelized onion. Or I will do a stuffing with uh, cream cheese and green onion. And I'll tuck that in there with a little bit of garlic. But I'll actually flay the roast open, almost roll it out, and tuck all the goodness in there, roll it back up, wrap it and bake it, pin it down with some... some, uh, um, with some toothpicks and put it on the grill and just let it go indirect. And I usually use a hard, hardwood charcoal. So it has a nice little smoke to it. And then you get the hickory out of the bacon as well.
1: Gotcha. So you're going for almost essentially, um, Oh geez, I know I'm going to mess it up. Uh, a Rolod, at least I think as I've heard it talked about, essentially you're you're flaying this the big piece open you're flaying the roast open and at some points you can almost get a third flip out of that yes um oh what's his name jesse sackle sackle on instagram um down in texas i keep trying to think of his last name um anyway amazing uh chef. He's on he's on meat eater, right? Yeah, he's one of the meat eater crew guys. Yep. They go to him quite a bit and he is uh very good about yeah, taking that piece and it's it's almost like as he's cutting, he's almost unrolling the piece. I've yes. seen him do it um just, you know, as a video where he's he's showing basically how he opens that up like a book and you'll turn this huge round piece of meat. You could do it with a back strap. But at the same time, I feel like magic happens when you can take a larger cut, like a roast from the hind quarter, roll that out. And now you've got this thin piece of uh, meat that you end up rolling back up, just like you said, add a stuffing to it. That's where, yeah, the Midwest king right there of cream cheese, throw in the green onions, mix in with that. You cannot grow, go wrong. All layer no, of your so. bacon and it's just, it's a, it's a home run. It
2: is. It's always a home run. And if I let that roast hit the table in front of my in-laws before I even get a fork into it, if I walk away, it, half of it will be gone right away. So it's like watching hogs eat at a trough. It's that good.
1: But <laughs> Perfect. Well, before we you know, get ahead, that... I want you to hold on to that idea that you got. Um, so we've got now we have kind of like that crown jewel. If we're going to try and organize this for people who are listening. So we've given you a big taste. This is like that pinnacle. This is the uh, ideal situation that you want to go for. Um, if we're going to break this down, we're going to go through. Let's go through the easy couple of the easiest stuff you can do. And then we're going to jump back into this rilad. Uh But. If guys are having this big piece of meat, they don't know what to do with it, but they've got a whole bunch of extra cuts that they were going to grind anyway. I know this is going to hurt some people's feelings, Mm. but there is nothing wrong with turning that big roast back into grind. And I can say that with absolute confidence because – I am living in this mo- notion, and I feel like I've I've said this on a couple of other episodes, like, you know, there's times where you have to take your medicine, you have to come back and say, maybe I was wrong and I need to correct uh, my opinion. I used to save a lot of stuff out of the grind pile. Now, there's a lot of stuff that I do want to pull out because I have application that I do for it, but the amount of ground that my family goes through now is one of those things that... Shoot, if I have to offer up a whole leg just to go to grind, so I know I know that I have those little packages on Wednesday night and Thursday before ball practice that we can make uh, burgers, we can make chili, we can make spaghetti, that stuff is gold. And I'm not afraid to say that if you want to take some of your big cuts and just grind them up, you can go with whatever you want. You go a straight venison, awesome, you're going to cut it in with fat, even better, you're the way you want to do it, but I feel like that is a choice, and I want to give people the freedom to say Nick said it was okay that I can grind up my big roasts, and and it's it's not going to hurt anybody's feelings.
2: No, and honestly, I mean, I've had some banner years when I would kill four and five deer a year, and I'd have an abundance of it. I need to make sausage, or I want to make brats, or I want to make burger, that's there's no shame in it i mean if you have an abundance of it too right away or if you, that's just what your palate likes is ground meat there's no shame in it but Absolutely. like you said cutting it with cutting it with some fat like i the last cow we had butchered i had a big hunk of fat taken off of it and they set it aside for me so i i try to render render in some of that
1: so you go with, you go for. with beef fat then that's your go-to
2: yeah, I like it better than the pork fat. I like to cook my burgers a little more medium rare, so I, I, I like the beef fat. I think it get, it tastes a little bit better to me.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. I've gone with uh, pork fat. I think it melts a little nicer, so I'm making the same burgers. I think I get the real juiciness out of those, but sure. I do get a neutral flavor with the pork. Okay. It's going to be less pronounced than, say, beef suet, but at the same time, like, yeah. It's Bob's your uncle, Who's which side you want to go with. Sure. I've done a lot of beef suet deep frying. Um, instead of going with canola oil, I've been hearing a lot of people talk about how vegetable oils are something you want to steer away from. Mm-hmm. And I need to read more on it. I need to look more into it. But at the same time, like, I have, yeah, I got the slaughter facility close. Why don't I just run over and get some suet anyway? And that's been, I've loved uh, using beef suet to deep fat fry. I tell you what, beef fat uh fries. I don't think there's anything better than those.
2: Uh, try duck.
1: Okay, maybe we're we're jumping ship. Now we're going to go back. We're okay. going to get some duck right. fat now.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, but try duck. A conversation after after you try it. How's that? There you go. There you go. I got some all good right.
1: waterfowl friends. I just got to have them drop off their ducks. Just the duck fat. That's all I need, fellas.
2: Farm actually, farm-raised ducks are going to be your best pal there because wild ducks don't have the fat content. They have some, and it's going to be a different flavor than a farm-raised duck. So, you could you could cook one down if you're not spatchcocking it over a fire. You could cook one down, you know, in a roaster pan, and take that fat and put it in. But you're going to need a lot of a lot of wild ducks in order to make enough fat rendered down to do any frying with.
1: Gotcha. The ideal situation is going to be a little bit more, you know, impossible at that point. Yeah.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Well, good deal. Now
2: that I derailed us with that little tiny thing.
1: (laughs) No, you threw in the new one that I haven't gone with. Um, I know duck fat is that sought after thing and duck fat potatoes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Hold on just a second. I got crashing behind me. When in the field, accuracy and precision count. That's why we switch our slug guns to rifle barrels, tune our arrows, and use a fish finder on the water. But why should our drive for control end there? The Tappacue line of meat probes gives an instantaneous look at the temperatures of our prized meals, both internal and in the cooking chamber. Tappacue uses sturdy hardware made and assembled here in the U.S., along with their user-friendly, sophisticated software that connects to your smart device. Whether it's a traditional corded probe or the new cordless air probes that give you a wealth of freedom where wires would just get in the way. Adding a Tappacue meat probe can significantly help in getting to that medium rare on venison or waterfowl, ensuring your upland bird stays moist, or even charting your long cooks on a smoker. Visit tappacue.com or find the link in the show notes. And use the code HUNT10, all uppercase, at checkout to save 10%. Adding a probe to your kit can make you one tap away from your queue. Okay, there we go got them before they destroyed the house i was gonna say you
2: weren't chasing a, a flying flaming marshmallow across the yard were you
1: <laughs> no they're into their trucks right now yeah we've we've done very well with blow out the marsh- marshmallow don't wave the marshmallow <laughs> that's uh that's a real th- real deal uh-huh. so we've gone with grind we're gonna get this back on track here we've gone with yeah um let's, ground meat let's
2: Yeah, ground meat. I mean, you could do a lot with ground meat. Like you said, spaghettis, hamburgers. um, You know, if you like to make like a hot dish or a goulash. You know, if you think about grandma's hot dish, it was pretty bland and kind of blah. Maybe a little venison might jazz that up a little bit. And some jalapenos or something. Because, man, that stuff is bland.
1: So I got guys now that are like, listen, I I got enough ground. That's not a good option, Nick. I need I need something else. Yep. The other thing to do is to take those roasts. You've already run out of steak, like you just said. Yeah. Make steak. Make sirloin. Make round. Make bottom round steaks. They you are can still cut steaks out of them. They're absolutely. Good. They are a little more toothy. I'm not gonna they even are. say chewy. I'm not even gonna say tough. I'm just gonna say toothy. Third. Yeah, they're not quite
2: as tender. They're not as tender as eating a backstrap or an inner loin, for that matter. But if you cut them and then you hammer them out, there's a lot of things you could do with that. I mean, you could chicken fry it, for that matter, if you wanted to. That'd
1: be an all right deal. Yep. Um, I like but... the bottom round. Now, there's a lot of things I do with the bottom round. And, in fact, we're going to get to that, I think, here in the next, uh, the next idea that I've got brewing in my head. But as I'm cutting stakes, like if I'm taking that bottom round, um, I'm gonna do the same butterfly technique that some guys do on their back strap. Or I'm gonna cut three quarters of an inch, but I'm like as in thickness, Mm -hmm. cross the grain, and I'm only gonna go down about halfway. I'm then going to move over another three quarters of an inch, and then that's gonna be my follow through cut. And what I'm doing with that half cut is and folding that out as a you know just like we're doing with a back strap is where I'm butterflying that or opening up into like a double stake at that point so I'm taking something that would have been pr- fairly uh, thin in width not in height because we've given it that three quarters of an inch but by doing that and doubling it up I get a much nice not much nicer piece especially if I'm looking at a small dough like I want to be able to double that up. So now I've got a bigger chop. Then, like what you were saying is, pound those out. My wife's family grew up with Swiss steak. So they do the cream of mushroom soup, or they do um, some sort of cream cream sauce that we whip up, whether it's you know just as easy as a Campbell's can, or they actually whip something up. But then that, then you sear the steak on both sides, drench it down into those... Uh, pieces of or drench down into that sauce and let it go in the oven and i tell you man don't even bring the knives to the to the table just bring the fork and the mashed potatoes and that that's a winter meal right there maybe we've passed that it's gonna get cold here soon so if we it's got gonna one... get
2: cold you know there's nothing wrong with breaking out an old plastic i mean we we even do something similar like that here at my house with pork chops because it just breaks them down like if you just pan sear them they kind of get tough, you know. Right. But if you you put them in cream of mushroom or I mean cream of mushroom is a staple. It's easy, it's quick, you know. You got a family that's it's really the way to go. But if you can get it get them browned, you know, get your meat browned and then throw it in like if you got the old electric s- skillet where you can just put it on and let it let it simmer for a few hours that way or even an hour it takes and breaks that meat down and makes it so much more tender. It's, it's darn good.
1: It is. And you get something even with a little bit like, yeah, extra toothiness coming from that bottom round it with that slow cook, as you're saying, it's breaking it down. What is broken down? What is leached out at that point is just going to thicken, everything up at that point so it really is you add more to the gravy exactly exactly it just becomes super rich and i i mean when i think swiss steak i'm automatically thinking Sundays. i'm thinking it's you know it's one of those things like i i don't have anything big planned or you know we're cutting wood in the afternoon so i'm going to need something to tide me over like a good thing or a good pan of swiss steak off of what would essentially be a, a piece of meat that would get forgotten in the freezer rolled around and then at that point it would have been freezer burnt and I lost the whole thing so yeah that's I'm, that
2: little piece of bottom round or a couple pieces of bottom round that are you know they're smaller hunks like you said if it's a smaller dough or something it's like you look at it when you butchered it it's a nice piece of meat If it's not going in the grind pile I can make something out of this and that's not a bad way to go Uh, i'm liking that i think i'm gonna have to do that this year that's that's something new to try for me i haven't done it thought about it but i like that yeah we're gonna try that
1: good yeah that's a good sunday meal and it a 10 inch lodge cast iron is an Mm -hmm. awesome tenderizer um Somebody talked about a bottle of liquor at one point, banging on the piece of meat, and I'm like, I, the bottle of liquor scares me. Um, but I'm it's not going <laughs> to go and spend a whole bunch of money for a specific meat mallet when I got a big old pan that I can yeah. uh, that I can do that with. Um, yep. So yeah, the one thing I want to touch on too is. As we were getting set up here, you were already sending me a picture of where you were going, what you were doing the other night. You went Asian on yours. Talk to me about your stir-fry. Yeah, I mean that's another thing
2: that's it's a simple meal really. Right? You, unless you need to really think about what you want to add to that stir-fry, but the basics of meat and a handful of vegetables, it can be anything really. But pea pods are always a staple in ours. Uh, Some pepper, if you want to spice it up, throw some jalapeno or or some Anaheim pepper in there. Uh, That's really good. You got to have onion. You got to have some garlic. And you got to have some ginger root throw in there. Um, My wife took it one step further. And she put a little bit of brown sugar in it and some sriracha. Just for something different to try. I'd never had it that way. We never have the same meal twice, I swear. <laughs> so, and it was good. It was like a sweet, had a little heat. It was savory. You know, we, we do it in peanut oil. So I fry the meat in peanut oil, but it was a hunk of roast. What cut, I don't know exactly because it was like, it just said roast on the package. Pulled it out, thawed it, cleaned it up and just commenced to slicing it in about half inch thick chunks and then and cut them in strips, you know. And then just seared it in peanut oil with a little bit of garlic, some onion, some uh, celery. And then uh, I like Mrs. Dash, it's kind of a, a, a cop out really, but it, it doesn't have salt and I don't like a lot of salt. So threw some table, table blend in there and uh, did it up and then threw the peanuts in there. And then she came home and added vegetables. So it was broccoli, it was pea pods, and I don't know what else was in there. I think some green pepper, and it turned out really good. But stir fries, they're a killer. They're pretty quick and down and dirty and fairly easy. You could probably have one knocked out in half an hour if you have all the stuff there.
1: Yep, yep. It is but heavy stir- on the, the add-ins, but at the same time, like you said, once you got all your stuff collected, bada-bing, bada-boom, it's it's ready to yeah. go. And you can do it
2: all in one pan, like we've got one bigger stainless steel, it's probably a 12-inch stainless steel pan, deeper, because I have an electric stove, which is kind of a fail, but it doesn't work real well with a wok. So the, the, the wok is not the ideal tool to use on an electric stove, at least for me it isn't.
1: Right. Man, it just doesn't that glass top just enough. ruins it all. I'm I'm in the same yeah. boat. That's what I got. I love the electric oven. I can't stand my electric cooktop.
2: Yeah. Uh, if Ideally, I'd love to have a an electric convection oven with a gas five burner or six burner or something. It'd just be awesome.
1: But someday. There you go. So that mm-hmm. roast, the way she cut it, at least by the way that I was uh, looking at it as your wife was preparing it, it looked like she was cutting yeah, like half inch to a quarter inch thick, keeping it on the thinner side and again, crossing the grain. I think one of the biggest yes. things is guys will they'll just take their knife and they'll figure, well, if I just cut it thin, it's gonna be um, it's gonna end up being tender. And it's like there you really gotta focus on crossing that grain. If you go with it, you're gonna make those those long muscle fibers are gonna shrink up and you'll be able to bounce that thing off the table.
2: Yeah, it gets a little too tough that way. So cross the green, half inch thick, quarter inch thick, um, and cut it in strips. So it's multiple cuts, but you can break that muscle tissue down just by cutting it right. It, cutting it right helps a ton. You know, if you cut it wrong, you feed it to your family, they complain, oh, it's just too tough. You cut it, You maybe you cut it wrong. So like you said, cross the grain that's the way to do it
1: yep going in that progression let's stay right in like the strips instead of going right in here to uh stir fry um we're gonna jump into my my cousin from the east side of the state over there um near detroit he's got himself this massive blackstone and i love talking to him because he's really innovative with trying to put new stuff on the Blackstone, try to use it with his family. He's done the whole hibachi thing where he sits everybody around it and then he's flipping the the shrimp to people. Um, But he was really excited about Philly cheesesteak. uh, Yes. And what it is is kind of with your same idea where you're going with these thin, long strips um, that you're going to end up uh, searing off and frying up for your stir fry, take that same concept and actually I would say, take that piece of meat, chill it down. I don't want to say freeze it, but get it really nice and firm. Yeah. You want a
2: good firm piece. Yeah.
1: Slice that real thin because almost shaving it at that point, because man, sprinkling that down with onions. I think, you know, if you're going to go with a Midwest, cheese steak that's the way we're going to want to go is we're going to add that venison i'm thinking a top round is going to be probably a great add-on for this because you're going to get a huge sheet of meat when you do that and being able to then lay that on a griddle let that get soft bring those spatulas in chop it up as you go along that's a win right there uh especially with a piece of meat that again you weren't sure what you're going to do with You could even take that piece. You could even take that piece of meat. You could cut it in half, roast half of it, like you would a roast or a pot roast in a crock pot, and then only do half for the Philly cheese. So at that point, you're giving your you know you take a large cut of meat like you were saying. If it's just you and your wife, you're taking that football roast, that sirloin, and you're sectioning it out. Do the same thing with the big cuts, and now you're diversifying the meals off.
2: Right. So you get. The awesome fillies and then maybe maybe you can do some pulled venison out of that other half in the slow cooker let it do its thing enjoy your fillies while they're hot and they're all good and then your lunch meals for the rest of the week or a couple days of the week could be some pulled venison that you did in the crock pot
1: i tell you nothing's better than crock pot Roasts. I know people are trying to look for something other than roasts.
2: They are, but it's hard to be to stand by. Yeah. When it's it's an easy tool. You don't have I mean you, you literally drop it in there. Maybe you throw a can of beer and some onions and some garlic and heck throw green pepper in there, whatever you want to do. Throw it in there with your, your can of beer, or if you don't like beer, you can do it in red wine. You can just add water or beef broth. There's a lot of different things you could do. But a pot roast Is about as easy as it gets, and then you add your vegetables. Maybe you come home for for lunch or something if you're fortunate, and you throw your vegetables in, you know, after it's basically cooked for half the day already. You get home, and it's all ready to go. Plate it up, and you're ready to eat.
1: Those potatoes and carrots, I would Mm. literally fight my brother over. Now, granted, this was with – it wasn't with venison at that point – but at the same time, it's still one of those things. When pot roast gets down, I have to lay claim to as many potatoes and carrots as I can because, man, all that juice soaked up into those veggies—so spot on, so good.
2: Yeah, it's delicious. I mean, they, if you got somebody that doesn't like veggies, they don't taste much like veggies anymore. They're they're all soaked up with the goodness.
1: So we're still in the in the slice and thin category. We've gone stir fry. We've gone Philly cheesesteak. We've even jumped over to the pot roast because, you know, you don't need five pounds of Philly cheese at this point. You want to just make a couple heroes up and then uh, have those for the afternoon or have those for the evening. So we we talked about pot roast with that. Now, even still sticking with the thin slicing, we go into jerky. And I love saying this because it is a big hunk of meat. Top round. I am a with-the-grain jerky cutter. I want, I want to make a piece of jerky that's going to be 7 inches long, about 2 inches wide. It is a big hunk of meat, but at the same time, it's going to take me 15 minutes if I'm going to be focused eating it because I have to chew, chew, chew on these things. I love having it with the grain. And I know there's a whole segment of people that are going to say, no, turn that the other way, cut it against, give me something that's going to fall apart quicker, give me something that's going to be a little softer at that point. I mean, you know, your choice on what you want to go with.
2: Sure. I mean, I think at that point, you might as well make extruded jerky out of it. I'm with you with the the grain when it comes to
1: jerky. I want to gnaw on that thing for a while. I don't chew. My buddies chew. This is... This ends up being my chew. I haven't been able to find the jerky, the, the shredded jerky chew cans uh, in a long time. But Yeah,
2: Jack Slinks used to make it. Yeah, I, I'm, I used to eat that
1: stuff too. But to take a bite, rip it up, and then just stick it down in your lip and, you know, just <laughs> – at that point, I'm not spitting anymore. We're swallowing all that. Dude, but uh-huh. at the same oh, time, it's not, it just – it hits the mark, I tell you. That salty, savory mm. – Just hits the spot, and you must have a beer to wash it. I ended up, and I did it on. It was a I can't even remember what it was. Was it a Harvesting Nature Group, or it could have been? It could have been um, uh, Hank Shaw's uh, community group. But anyway, somebody posed a question: What do you make jerky out of? And I did. I threw out uh, top round, and the first comment I got back on my on my comment was that was be a terrible choice. You're wasting such a, a glorious piece of meat. And he didn't offer any suggestions. He didn't offer anything other than just to, to put down the cut that I chose. Sure. And you know, at that point as we've been going along talking about this, I'm like, you, you own that piece of meat. You get to do what you will with that I'm not sure if his angle was necessarily the shame of that or to to puff his chest out that he does more with his roasts.
2: Yeah, like jerky is beneath the guy. Yeah. It, it, it's almost what it sounds like. And some people are that way, you know. But if if you're looking for a good chunk, I I agree with you. I think a couple times that I never made it, but my buddy my buddy had a smoker and he loved making jerky. He had his own spice recipe figured out. He's like, "Hey, if you got any roast you want me to make some jerky out of you know let me know I've got the slicer and everything I'm like all right well what would you use I said well I think I like the top round top round's the biggest piece and it's it just has I think it's got the nicest grain for that you know I'd love to use it in a pot roast or something else but I had enough it. I'm like you know what I got enough top rounds I'm gonna give you this one you do with it what you want And it did. It turned out phenomenal. Just awesome.
1: Yep. Just like the mantra of OKS Hunter, when we get into the OKS kitchen, you know what? As long as you love it, you enjoy it, you're sharing it with others. That's a win. You know, whether you're going to go fancy, whether you're not use use your roast. I think the the play or the 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 wrong play here would just to be let it die in the freezer. I guess that would be the only thing that we would say.
2: Yeah, and I have a hard time letting it die in the freezer because, you know, what? if it's on its way to dine in the freezer, then maybe it's going to go into the grind pile to get made into brats or sausage or hot sticks.
1: Absolutely. Making the hot sticks go on the grind route, that's a good way to go. Um, It is. Bottom round, again, I'm going to come back to the bottom round. Yeah. Because um, I like the profile for it, and I've had the most success with it. Maybe because it's a little thinner, I still use an injection. But going with pastrami on the bottom round, I find that is if you're gonna slice something up for a fancy charcuterie board or smorgasbord or something, you're gonna put out with some cheese. You got crackers, and you need something, or you know, even the little, uh, the little uh, either bread and butter pickles or even the little cocktail pickles. Then he pastrami just knocks things out of the water you get yourself a spicy mustard and put that on there pastrami is a home run i know i know goose breasts have been made famous with the pastrami but if i want to extend the use of something whether it's going to be getting into close to uh saint patrick's day or whether it's not whenever you got time to end up brining um large large cuts Uh, pastrami is a home run even if you don't go the the distance of having to smoke it uh with the outer covering and just go with a corned venison that stuff is just a palate changer and gives you something gives you something different something to look forward to especially when it comes to a sandwich if you're if you're getting tired of the normal turkey or the roast beef or whatever do a pastrami do a veni pastrami and you will not you will not be sorry it can sound complicated but the hardest part of making pastrami is literally waiting for the brine to do its job so you sure. make people your...
2: people get impatient with that kind of stuff and it's the same way with if you're making sauerkraut
1: or pickles absolutely you just got to keep your hands out it said 48 hours it said don't do anything for you know four days like just just don't do nothing that's it's the hardest part i've been there i'm with you i'm sympathizing just don't touch it don't even look at it (laughs) don't even look at it (laughs) or this uh, this is what i like to do too it. Is it usually what i've done i've done it in a ziploc bag or even if i've done it in a vac bag with the brine in there um larger cuts of meat pre pre getting them in there um If you have the injection unit, if you've got a syringe, inject your larger roasts. That's going to just get that uh, brine and solution to work more through that. I like to use uh, the cure. I like to use the pink salt. So getting that to the inside so I'm not dealing with spoilage or botulism, I want to get that in there. So make sure that you inject it. But then at that point, just make make sure you get the brine all the way around it you can submerge them in a in a in a pan or a bowl or whatever I like doing them in the ziploc bag just because that at that point it gives me the chance to go out to the refrigerator look at them roll it around get that you know get the brine moving get the piece of meat moving I can feel as that piece of meat firms up too because the water's being drawn out at that point the salts replacing it on the inside so you get a chance to feel it stiffen up it gives you just that little bit of satisfaction as it's brine, brining. It's like the one little glimpse you get. You're not actually opening the bag, you just kind of roll it around, re, you know, recirculate that brine and then put it back in the fridge, let it do its thing.
2: Um yeah. I like that bag idea because then you get to see the experiment going on live and you're not really disturbing anything by it, opening it up and looking.
1: And there's not that there's less of a chance where if you didn't get those submerged all the way and you get a you get a piece that floats to the top and you didn't weigh it down with something you have a chance of one side not getting brined at all and yeah. having it in the bag it just it just helps you with uh coverage it just helps you make sure that it's always in contact with the brine and then yeah you just roll it around and redistribute whatever has accumulated whatever salt or pepper or whatever you know, cumin or whatever the seasonings are that you've used in that specific recipe. I'll try to I'll try to put the one that I used. I'll try to put that in the show notes. I wanna say it's from uh from Hank. Um I'm not gonna lie, I'm not even gonna fish around with it. There's a lot of times where it's like if it ain't broke, don't fix it and if he's already perfected it, heck go with it. You're not gonna go you're not gonna go wrong with that. You're Um, not going wrong with Hank. No. And I think, actually, I took Hank's corned recipe and I turned it into a pastrami because then what I did is instead of... Because then with the corned recipe, you then go to a pot of water and then you boil it. That's going to, A, finish the cooking process, and then, B, that's also going to leach out some of that salt because that thing's going to be super salty anyway. What I end up doing is... Taking it as is, I think I cut like a day off of the brine. Um, but then I take it and I coat it, actually, you know, rinse it off the outside so I don't have any of that extra brine pieces sticking to to it. But then I create a coating of black pepper and coriander. You actually use a, I mean, if you have a mortar and pestle, that's what you're supposed to use. Um, two pans, uh, squeezing those uh those seasonings the coriander seeds and the black pepper seeds and just squeeze in between two pans and roll it around that's a good way to give it a good crisping up um i've used the uh, i forget what they use it for uh, the, the muddler uh the cocktail muddler on, okay. on it as well and eh, it doesn't work as well the pan no the I, I like together.
2: the idea of using the lodge hammer to to Get things worked
1: out. Yep. Basically, you've turned it into you're just rolling it around and you're applying pressure. You're not banging anything onto it. You're you're basically creating, uh yeah, a mill at that point, and you're just yep. making the big pieces small. And then what you do Perfect. is you then, you know, that piece of meat. Now you've taken all the extra stuff off it. Pat it dry a little bit. It's still going to be real tacky. Roll it around in that coriander and pepper, and then that goes to the smoker to finish um 220 to for a couple hours you're just kind of really applying smoke again i go simple hickory seems to be my go-to all the time and pull that off let it chill let it rest let it get to uh room temperature or that point even even go into the the fridge um just gonna firms it up you know firm it up because then you can make those slices and serve that up with a little bit of mustard. You go as far as to make a, you know, a full, full-on full Reuben sandwich, that would be good. Um, but those thinner slices off the uh, bottom round, man, for putting those on a board with mustard and serving them up to people, they, they're always going to be asking for that at whatever gathering you have. So that's a great way to use that piece.
2: That sounds like a nice New Year's tradition to start if you haven't already.
1: Yeah. I mean, right after Christmas, you're not doing a whole lot anyway. Go ahead and take some of those hard-earned big pieces of meat and uh, cure those down. Absolutely. And uh, I guess even like, you know, a pastrami or a corned is even going to be a, it could be lunch fair at that point, or excuse me, sandwich fair at that point. That was going to be my, one of mine that I did too, is instead of just trying to get around the idea of, Roasting uh, a big piece of meat for dinner. Why don't you just roast that big piece of meat and make sandwiches out of it? My my family and I went camping. We ran out of our, our turkey and venison sandwich material. So my wife ran to the local uh, grocery store. I, I think we were up in northern Michigan at that point, at least on the lakeshore. It wasn't a very high-end uh, grocery store just a common deli and she picked up roast beef came back with it and as i'm making a sandwich she happens to look at the label and she goes whoa i hope you appreciate this sandwich at that point i then took a look at the bag at myself roast beef was going for 16.99 greg what 16.99 i don't know if she like got wagyu roast beef (laughs) i don't know if boar's head like has like another might have been a a
2: quality boar's head piece of roast beef
1: it you know (laughs) i'm like just i was like are you serious but at the same time this kind of comes to the 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 point that i wanted to make is that we think food prices are bad now greg domestic wise things are only going to get worse because right now, like, we're on last year's feed of animals going in. When yep. we get to this year's feed with the way gas is, with the way oh, labor is, going up. everything, I mean, all those added things are going to go up. Inflation is not helping either. We are going to be, as much as we were in a meat shortage at one point, we're going to be in a money-to-buy meat shortage here in a little bit. People are going to start making some sacrifices, and I, I hope it's not too much when it comes to the grocery bill. I mean, people still need to eat. But at the same time, I'm looking at people like, man, what do I do with my roasts? I think you need to eat those on a day-to-day basis. I think you need to think about what you're buying domestically because those prices are going to be so inflated. If you can roast a piece of venison, which that's what I did with a top round especially for the next camping trip cuz we we're not getting the primo stuff uh this no. next time. But if I can make a sandwich, if I can make a roast venny sandwich for pennies on the dollar as opposed to having to have roast beef for that week, that might be that might be an amazing way if I'm a, if I don't have the entertaining uh bug if i don't have a ton of people over that i can cook large pieces of meat or if i don't want to section them up to have for a couple different times if you're not even a big leftovers person then find a way to then make it be sandwich fare because that's a heck of a home run when it came comes to using it i love roast Venny for sandwiches almost i think more, it's great because
2: it shreds up real nice you can take a couple of forks just shred it up And there's a lot of different things you could do with it, you know, after that. I mean, you can even refreeze it if you really had to. If you had way too much and you didn't want it to go waste, you could certainly, you know, package it up and freeze it. But I've taken it, you know, and just made a little more gravy out of the juice. And I like green peppers and onions in it. It's always real good. And then if you're a barbecue fan, you can throw, you know, a barbecue sauce in it it tastes good that way throw a little cheddar cheese on it it's uh you know a barbecue venny sandwich with some extra goodies in it
1: yeah all these i think all these have been home run um especially when it comes to like that's the whole idea is like man we're trying to save stuff from basically getting lost to freezer burn you know if worst yeah. comes to worst yeah like you said crock pot or Lunch fair where we actually make the roast and then slice it up thin, but I think we've given five or six amazing things that you can do uh, with these cuts that uh, don't take a lot of extra effort. I think especially as guys, they don't
2: they don't take a lot of extra effort and they don't take a ton of imagination really.
1: I think I think we just had to clear the air for a few folks to be like, hey. Just make steak and just grind it up because you've already gone through all your ground. You've gone through all your steaks. Just add this in because it's gonna it's gonna boost that up. But I think we've also I think we've intrigued a few people with our uh, our pastrami idea, with your stir fry, and especially your roulade that you were thinking. Where we're sheeting that out, add the filling, roll that up. And I mean Labor Day is around the corner. If your back straps are gone, use a big piece of, uh, big piece of this uh, roast to end up yep. making your your special Traeger, uh, Traeger treat there. Indeed. Well, Greg, thank you so much, man. We've blown through an hour. <laughs> it just <laughs> it it's did not. To do, man. I was gonna say years. when we just get rolling. <laughs> But uh, Greg, I know I already know I mentioned that uh, you're uh, on the you're part of the OKS Hunter crew. But uh, where can my wis- listeners get a hold of you? Where can they find out more about OKS Hunter um, and what you guys are putting together?
2: Yeah, I mean, just on the OKS Hunter side, like if you don't know who we are, go check us out on Instagram. We're a little bit on Facebook. Facebook's kind of falling behind the times, but we're getting really big on TikTok. I know that might be taboo for some, but ton of content on TikTok, a lot of you know, funny stuff, some philosophical stuff, and some things that make you think a little bit. But those are probably the main places, main avenues to find us as OKS Hunter. Uh, my account is just my first name and my last name, Greg Tubbs, uh, on Instagram. Hit me up; I'm happy to help you out any way I can. I'm here to I'm here to help. That's that's what I like to do.
1: Beautiful, beautiful. Well, Greg, hold on for just a second as I head, or I'll let our listeners on out. Folks, you came to me with the question, what do I do with this piece of meat? What do I do with this roast? And we probably give you five or six different ideas. You can't go wrong. You can grind it. You can slice it in for jerky. You can make a, a Swiss steak or just regular steaks. Just make sure you cut them across the grain. You can even go as far as getting fancy on the uh brittle and doing Philly cheese steaks, you can do roulades, you can go all the way to pastrami or the even um making roast beef so you don't have to buy it like I did for way too much. But all this to say is that those big pieces of meat have offer great avenues. Uh, as long as you just give it a little bit of thought. It doesn't have to always be a Sunday roast. It can be anything that you want. Let your creativity fly. Just don't let that thing die in the freezer. But hey, whether you're slicing it thin for that Philly cheese, or you're going to be wanting to go again, or get with the grain for that jerky, make sure that knife that you're using is always sharp.